Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, Eduardo Encino joins me now, taking this podcast remotely as we travel down the highway. Literally on the road. We're technically taking this on the road, right? We're in the squad car. Again, buddy cop show. Box play at Tennessee coming off the bye week. Um, I sat in bed, not feeling well, watching the entire red zone on Sunday. Tennessee can maul you. They can maul you on both sides of the ball, man. They got some big stout defensive dudes that basically had a goal line stand to win the game against the Chargers. I can't really read where the Bucks are. I mean, I think they're a little rested given their trip to London, but, um, you know, we'll see if they get Jason Pierre-Paul back. This comes down to me, Eduardo, as a must-win for the Bucks. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think the math works if they if they get to 2-5. and five. Yeah, I mean, the numbers show that, you know, we, we wrote about this today and, and- in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com is that, you know, there's a big, big difference between three and four and two and five, you know. You know basically, you know, both of them are long shots to make the playoffs, let's face it, but, you know, three and four, you have about 17% chance of making the playoffs. You fall to two and five, it's about 5%. So you're really looking at a real, real, real big climb. So, um, you know, this, like you said, this is a, as much win as you can, especially when you put a couple more things into context. And one is that, you know, they're ending this uh, long gauntlet of road games with this game, which is a winnable game, and then a really tough one in Seattle on the road, which is one of the toughest places to play. And you add in the fact that next Tuesday you've got the trade deadline, with, at which point teams kind of start to decide whether they're, uh, you know, players or, or not. And, uh, you know, I think the Bucks are going to have to figure out some of that. Um, and obviously, as we know already, they've received some interest in some players. So, um, they're going to either have to say yes or no on some of those guys. But, you know, like you said, this is this is a really important game. I think it's going to be a tough game. You know, we talk about Tennessee's defense. Uh, they're fourth in the league in scoring defense. So mm. they, only average six, they only allow 16 points a game. That tells you a lot. You know, I, I think that the points are going to be more difficult to come by. The Bucks have struggled in the red, in the red zone on, recently on third downs. So, and, and that's really what uh, the Titans really uh, are really good at. They make... That defense will allow some yards, but like you saw last week again in the win against the Chargers, they know how to make plays when it matters most, and that's what they did last week. So I think this is going to be one of those games again where it's going to come down to uh, a few plays, and uh, you know, the Bucks are going to have to make them, and, and I think that's going to be the way they win. I guess the good news is that they are, as we sit here, number one in the NFL against the run, under 70 yards a game, and we've talked about the gauntlet. Yeah. of running backs they've had twice with Christian McCaffrey. They've stoned them. The only teams that have, um, you know, obviously Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara didn't run hard or well against these guys. But Derrick Henry's coming, right? I mean, the, the, the Tennessee Titans are not going to change their personality. They're going to test these guys, and they do it in a big, powerful, downhill way uh, with a running back that's as big as a damn defensive end. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's odd because when we talked to Todd Bowles about this today, he's like, you're sitting here with the number one run defense, but you're last in the league against the pass at 305 yards. And the Titans have a new quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, or one that's stepped in now for Marcus Mariota. So 
I'm not really sure how the, the attack is going to go, uh, but it seems to me like, you know, this will be another big test for their defense, which, let's face it, has let them down of late for sure. Yeah, like you said, Henry's a real downhill runner. He's he's coming right at you. He'll, he'll, he'll be explosive through the tackles. And you know, like you said, they are a heavy running team, you know I mean? Now, having said that, Tannehill threw for 300 yards last week against against the uh, yeah. against the Chargers. So um, they can mix it up. They they can play a pretty balanced game when they want to, and, and that's I think they are going to have to against the Bucks because they've shown that, that they can stop the run. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know if if I think this will be an interesting one because I do think that you know the Titans aren't going to get away from their bread and butter so much as whereas other teams have kind of seen you know how they can exploit. Uh, the Bucks with that pass, pass defense, so many young guys in that secondary, uh, really prone to the big plays, as, as Bowles said today, in kind of defense of his pass defense. It's like, you know, the, these guys aren't just, you know, laying eggs everywhere. It's, it's, it, it's, it's trying to cut down on these four or five big plays. And obviously four or five big plays in the past I mean, yeah, I would lose you the game. Exactly. Right. But, um, but you know, we, we'll, we'll see this, how much, you know, the, the, the part of this whole dichotomy here is that, you know, teams haven't had to run the ball necessarily quite as much against the Bucks because they've been able to exploit them in the air. So 300, 305 yards a game, that's pretty hard to uh, to do even if you're trying. And that's what, what teams have averaged against them uh, in the air this year. So, uh, But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of game plan the Titans come to come to, uh, to tight Nissan Stadium with on Sunday. But uh, you know, probably a lot like the other teams. You know, I think uh, the one thing that, I guess it didn't. Maybe it surprised me a little bit, but you know they took the whole bye week, and it's a week to self scout, and you know you do that to see if you're being predictable and things like that, and also kind of get a picture of what your your team is. But Todd Bowles says he didn't plan any personnel changes yeah. on defense, which that means Vernon Hargraves is going to be outside. That means Sean Murphy Bunting is going to probably play nickel. Um, I'm sure they hope they get you know Edwards back at safety, um, Mike Edwards if he's healthy enough. Um, but really. Uh, they're going to line up with the same guys they have, and they hope that the communication and the preparation is better. Um, so that's, you know, I, I don't know if that's a promising feature. If there is one, though, it's going to be whether or not Jason Pierre-Paul, not only can he come back and play, which would be, you know, just from a morale boost pretty big, right. uh, but whether he can play and actually create, you know, some pass rush. And we've seen Shaq Barrett get stoned. The last two games, guys chipping on them, tied in over the side, sliding protection. So they really need another guy. Um, and and getting getting Pierre Paul this week, if he's effective, could really help their defense, I would think. Well, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Pierre Paul does play because you know just from watching practice the past couple of days, you've kind of seen him a little bit on the side doing yeah. some extra stretching. And obviously, we don't see. Um, you know, quite, we don't see really much it, yeah. you know, the defensive portion, so we don't know how many snaps he's playing. I have a hunch that he doesn't play. I, 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 for yeah. some reason, I just feel that, like, just from watching him stretch and watching, like, like we have to keep in mind, this guy is just coming back from a serious neck injury, you know. And yeah. uh, like I said, th- there's nothing inside that I know that, that allows me to say that. But, you know, but like you said, they get him back. It's a plus in a lot of ways. One, you know, you have someone else on that other side, and that's no disrespect to Carl Nassib, but you, know, you have someone else on the other side that you have to account for, mm-hmm. along with Shaq Barrett and along with those guys on the inside, you know, via Vey and Dominican Sue, that, you know, all of those guys can conceivably draw double teams, right? And, um, you know, you only got so many blockers there to, 
to, uh, to, to go around. So uh, you add a piece, and no matter what, even if JPP doesn't come on the stat sheet, you know, like come through on the stat sheet, you're still, you know, he's still a guy that you obviously have to account for. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, we, everything, everything that everyone's been talking about this week is constantly about just kind of what he adds in the huddle, what he adds in the locker room. And, and obviously the, the JPP is not a guy who's lacking in confidence, no. lacking in, you know, his ability, you know, the confidence that he has in his ability to dominate a game. So sometimes that's, that's a factor too. You know, you got a guy who, you know, he thinks he can make an impact. The other guys around them are going to think that he's going to make an impact too. And, 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 you know, that, that can, that can help even in the slightest bit to a defense that right now, especially, you know, with that front seven, you know, they've, they've really got to bring a little bit more pressure because, and, and not just bring pressure, but get to the quarterback because if they can, then that takes some more of that pressure off that young secondary. And then maybe things can kind of start working out because this team has given up a lot of points on defense. And if you win games, if you want to win games, you, you, that's got to, got to improve. Sound like Al Davis. In the first five plays, the quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. And that's what they haven't done consistently. Um, you know, look, this is a would have been, and still to some degree is, it's the ultimate comparison, right? Uh, Marcus Mariota drafted one pick after Jameis in 2015, number two overall. Jameis Winston, they meet again. They met the first game they ever played in the NFL. We know Jameis's first pass was a pick six. Mariota went on to throw four touchdowns, and everybody had Mariota on Hall of Fame, and right. Jameis not so good. Well, it really hasn't worked out for either of them. And that's rare because, you know, usually when guys are taking one, two as quarterbacks, whether it's Peyton Manning and, you know, uh, Ryan Leaf, I mean, somebody, one of those guys typically makes it or has an okay or to better than okay career. In this case, it seems as if the Titans have moved on. We talked to Mike Vrabel and he said, look, you know, uh, we're trying to win games and no one guy is bigger than the team. And, you know, Marcus is doing his job. And in fact, this week, Marcus Mariota is playing the scout team quarterback, which means he is Jameis Winston um, for all intents and purposes when they're practicing against their defense. Uh, But it really is quite a story that, you know, when I think back low this many four and a half or so years ago, you know, how these two guys were perceived as as possible, you know, make it guys. And turns out they both may be looking for work after this season. But Jameis, the difference is, is that while the Titans went ahead and they got a guy like Ryan Tannehill who they could turn to that had played before and made the playoffs before, the Bucks don't have that guy. They got Ryan Griffin. They, did, they went the other direction and said, we don't want Jameis looking over his shoulder. But there's no question that the guy that has to, to come back, not just this game, but the next 10 games, is Winston. This is still a referendum on him. Um, when it comes right down to it. I mean, I don't know what else we'll be watching on Sunday if it's not going to see whether the quarterback's going to recover from that six-turnover debacle in London. Yeah, and, you know, when we look at Winston Mariota, and obviously their pro careers, like you said, have been, you know, so, uh, you know, compared to each other as, as, they've, you know, as, as they enter their, you know, fifth year, is this notion that, you know, like Mariota – was benched for a different reason than Winston in a lot totally, of ways. Totally, yeah. Know? I mean, Mariota wasn't throwing the ball 
away to you know to other guys. I think he, I don't think he had an interception. He had seven touchdowns you know? and zero interceptions. It's just, it's just that that offense was stagnant under him. Yes. Whereas with Winston, it's it's almost the complete opposite. Is Winston's tried to do way too much, and over the course of that has become, you know, has has morphed into a turnover machine over the past two games. After a stretch where you know, we all kind of really thought that he was starting to show, you know, that growth. That, yeah. that, that, you know, he's just making that step forward. So, you know, it's a little bit different, you know, but in the same vein, it is one of those situations where, like you said, usually when you have one or two, one guy kind of, you know, takes that path of, of, of having a, a strong career. And, and with both of these guys, it's been kind of like this, this long waiting process and coaching process of what's this guy going to end up being, yeah. you know, and, and you don't know either one, you know, and, you know, I know there's, there's, Obviously, with the Bucks, there's the big question of like, there's there's the ghost of quarterbacks past of like, you know, you let this guy go, mm-hmm. does he go somewhere else and become, you know, a superstar? I don't and, know that. I don't know that. But I think there's a good chance, no matter what, if Jameis does leave here, and he again, they've never had a quarterback they drafted reach a second contract. I'll bet you he finds himself in a championship game or a Super Bowl one day. Maybe as a Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Backup, yeah. he's going to play 10 or 12 years. Sure. I mean, sure. because he's that kind of guy, right? He's, he's that guy even, even you know, off the bench that can come in and make plays. It's just whether or not he can do it for a sustained period or not. So from that standpoint, I think that, uh, you know, this is a, an interesting matchup. There'll be a lot of talk about Jameis and, and Marcus Mariota. One went right, one went wrong. Um, you can look for that as well in Tampa Bay Times on Sunday. You know, the other thing is, what is Bruce Arians thinking right now? Right. You know, what is his true thoughts about, hey, I came here, I wanted this quarterback, they wanted me to save this quarterback. I'm six games into it. I said it wasn't a rebuild, it was a reload, right? My team has been up and down from the start. Thought we had ironed some things out against the Rams. I thought what he said the other day, too, about Jameis, which was, you know, we need to find a way to have the six games like he played in Los Angeles in a row. And that's that's a pretty yeah. tall bar. Like, for the first time, because I always thought when he, when they started this thing, they like, look, this can't be a one and done, right? I mean, Arians is 67 years old. He didn't come here to coach a rookie, Certainly. you know, and, and start over with a rebuild and a quarterback that you take in the first round. But you know what? Nothing's forever. I mean, at the end of the day, like he said, he's going to be completely honest and, you know, when he said sort of the, the bar that he expects for Jameis, he's got 10 weeks. I, for the first time, I sense that, you know, Arians doesn't know. He, you know, if it was his money that he was putting on the table, I don't know how much he would bet that this is going to work out before the season's over. Right. Um, so, and then the other part of it is, you mentioned the trade deadline, which is Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Look, if they lose this game, they better be sellers. They're not going to be buyers. I'm not sure they'll be buyers in, in any event. But when you start selling off some pieces, whether it's on offense or defense, 
then what is it doing to the evaluation process of Jameis Winston in the first place? Because we know he's struggling at with times the with the tools he has. What if you take away O.J. Howard or, uh, you know, Cameron Bright? Or on defense, you say, you know what, we don't need Levante David or Indomitian Sue. Um, you know, would you trade Mike Evans knowing that you have Chris Godwin a year from now? Um, you know, that's coming up on a on a big deal uh, in a couple of seasons. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting because so much is riding not just on this season, but sort of on, you know, this trading deadline is coming up on Tuesday. And maybe they do nothing in either case. Maybe if they lose, they do nothing. And maybe if they – because the one thing I'm clear of is they're not going to let somebody steal a player. They're not going to just let O.J. Howard go for a number three. Um, you know, they're going to have to get good value back. But there's so much – like I'm trying to think of like the last time there's been so much riding – on a game or an outcome of a yeah. game just because the picture looks so different, right? Two and five, James is about halfway through his fifth season. Team didn't respond. Um, now you're in a situation where you should probably look at 2020 right now. Um, you know, we were here a year ago, and it was Dirk Cutter trying to save his job. And right. so it almost, you know, they could have traded Gerald McCoy. They could have traded Deshaun Jackson. They didn't trade anybody because they – didn't want to signal they were giving up on the year. Well, Bruce Arians has four more years left on his deal if you include the, the, the uh, club option. It's kind of different. I, I just I find it interesting that there is so much coming to a head um, in these next couple weeks. Yeah, and like you said, the one thing you started off with there is this notion that, you know, from the get-go, from the moment that Bruce Arians stepped on a podium and, and put a, a red Kangol hat with a Bucks logo on it, <laughs> He's been saying, I believe in Jameis, I believe in Jameis, I believe in Jameis, I believe in Jameis. Yeah. And the, his words this week were a little different, uh-huh. you know. It was more of like, I need to see more. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that's not necessarily a total, that's not a, the total dismissal that, that you know, of anything. But it's more of like, you know, he's going to have to show us something. And not convinced, yeah. Right. And yeah. the thing is, like, this is, there's no doubt that this team is at a remarkable crossroads right now, whether it's, it's at, you know, and, and to be full, fully honest, you know, it probably should be whether they're three and four, two or five. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. like, there's so many things up in the air, like the money, you know, like you talk about the Mike Evans contract versus the you know, potential of Chris Godwin coming up, you know, the, the kind of year Chris Godwin's having, the luxury of having two pass-catching tight ends that they have. That they don't you use know, now. Right, that they, they haven't really utilized truly. And let's face it. And I was on. I'm on the side where you're never going to give O.J. Howard away. But if this is the offense, he really is wasted here. Right. You know what I mean? Like they don't use the tight end the way other teams will. Or that they used them last year. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like there's there's so many things here that, that point to really a team that's really at the crossroads. Honestly, win or lose. But obviously, it, it looks a lot different uh, moving forward. Two and five versus versus three and four. So yeah, this is this is going to be a big game. Like I. This is one that I don't know if three weeks ago I looked at the schedule and, and looked at that Titans game and said, oh, that's going to be a huge game. But it's, it's really become that, and the Bucks have put themselves in that situation by playing some some pretty bad football along the way. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens after uh, after Sunday. Well, the remarkable thing about this is, is that they could have recognized this before the season, um, maybe begun the process of, rebuilding not reloading um and with Jameis or without Jameis you know not had this sort of false expectation that 
oh, no, 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 we've turned this around really fast in the past in Arizona and Indianapolis, then it would happen here. Um, this is, one thing, too, Rick, is it's just when you look at the money, how much this team has invested in its offense. Oh, my God. Know? And, 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 and that's, that's monetarily, that's patience-wise, that's yeah. everything. You know, well, let's talk, a lot let's of talk about that. that make a lot of money on this team for them to be losing games based on turnovers. Yeah, and let's you talk know? about that. Okay, before Jameis got here, they used a high first-round pick on Mike Evans, right. who has made it to a second contract, who has already chewed through most of that second contract in terms of guaranteed money. Okay. And has had his contract restructured already and a couple three times. Three or four times to give right. them cap relief. Then you invested a first-round pick in, you know, Ali Mar or not a first-round pick, but it's two second-round picks in Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith, who grew up in the system, who made it to a second contract, who make a lot of money. Then you went out, and because you didn't draft any other offensive linemen over the years, you spent $5 million on Ryan Jensen. And your offensive line is now one of the highest-paid, top-five highest-paid offensive lines in football. Even though we know you have to replace DeMar Dotson at some point, he's probably in his last season. And it's not the greatest offensive line in the world, but you have a lot tied up in it. Then you got Cam Brait, who's making about $7 million a year. Doesn't have anything guaranteed after this season. I mean, you know, then Chris Godwin, a second-round pick, who's probably going to lead the team in receiving. And right now, you know, before the bye week, was leading the NFL in receiving yards and touchdowns. I mean, you've surrounded this guy, arguably, with pretty much all you need to win, and they've been it successful. Should be. It should be at times. Yeah. yeah, they've been, and, and you know, to the point. Like they, I mean, look, a year ago, Dirk Cutter had the number one pass offense in the league. Now, that might be because they trailed in a lot of games and stats. You can do a lot of funny things with them, but it wasn't as if they didn't have success. Jameis has had some success. They haven't been enough to win, and they they have spent a lot of resources trying to make this quarterback and buttress him, um, and try to make him what they wanted him to be. But it's a team game. The defense isn't there. They neglected it for a number of years because they were building around Jameis, and now it's come back to hurt them. And and they have a weird mixture of very old or very young. In any case, they're not effective. So, but you're right. I mean, there's it is there's a lot tied up in this offense around Jameis. Right. I like I said, I have no idea. This is the one time since Jameis has been here. I really I've always thought the Glazers had his back. The Glazers had his back. The Glazers want him. And they may still. Um, and there's been reports that the Bucks are ready to move on. I, I can tell you that that's not been voiced to me. Quite the opposite. You know, he's bounced back from games like this before. He'll do it again. we got ten games to go. But is it really ten games? Or is it just going to be about, you know, one? And then we'll see what happens to the rest of the team. And the key here is really seeing what that bar is. You know, what is the bar? How good does Jameis Winston have to, say, have to play to to for them to keep moving forward with them. I mean, like I said, we got our first glimpse with Arians this week saying, uh, you know, he wants to see a nice little six-week stretch. But, you know, that's what he says, you know. Yeah. And he's going to have a big say in this. But, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what what what, what the bigger uh, bigger players in this, meaning the Glazers, really think of, of, of what their evaluation is of how, uh, and Jason Light as well, how he's got to play to – for them to keep moving forward and feel like they're on a good path. I'll tell you how this game has to go for everything to proceed, um, maybe to give Jameis a chance, is somebody like Devin White, who had flashes of brilliance the other day in London, but also blew a coverage on Christian McCaffrey for a touchdown. If Devin White becomes the player that everyone thinks he is and can be, and he becomes that fast, and this is a perfect game for him, a downhill runner, 
a team that absolutely wants to slam it up in there, right? And you got a 240-pound Mike linebacker um, that can absolutely run guys down and make plays. If he comes to play on Sunday and really makes a difference, if they can get Ryan Tannehill in some predictable passing situations, if the defense can come back and Jameis doesn't have the turnover fest, they may have to slug their way out of it. But this is a winnable football game. I mean, that's how they're going to win this game. They're going to win it because they're going to turn it into an ugly game on both sides. And it also includes running the football themselves because seven rushes for Ronald Jones is not going to get it done. So what's the best way to protect your quarterback? Try to run the ball on the other guys. And again, that, I mean, for, for the most part, this team has actually done a decent amount of establishing the run through the first four and three quarters. Yep. Now, in London, they didn't. And, but the big reason why was because they fell behind so yeah, bad, yeah. so so quickly. And so you just, they just kind of abandoned the running game. So it's going to have to be one of those, you know, give and take, you know, take a punch, give a punch kind yeah, of game. slug where, it out. Where, you know, they keep it close and, 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 and are able to kind of pull it out in the end. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's the way we think it's going to go on this Sunday at Tennessee from Nashville. It's going to be a good one. Me and Buddy Copper headed to Nash Vegas on Friday. And um, hope you guys follow us on TampaBay.com. We'll have a podcast on Monday after the game. Lots going on, of course, with the World Series. Astros down two games to nothing. I didn't see that with the Washington Nationals. Your boy, Davey Martinez, about ready to win us a the World Series here. I don't man. think many people. If anyone told me that was going to happen Woo. a couple of days ago, I would have uh, told them to buy a lot of tickets. Yeah, man. Because I think they've shocked the world. I think that, you know, even people who thought believed in the Nationals and, uh, you know, the pitching, the, the, the timely hitting, all that stuff that, you know, thought might be a little bit rusty coming out of uh, that long break. But they've, uh, they've dominated the Astros and knocked both of their pitchers, their star pitchers, Garrett Cole and Jason Ver- Justin Verlander um, out of games, you know, and, and not just like beat them, but knock them out of games. Yeah, they did. And my friends in the district sports fans there would just tell me they're getting set up for a bigger fall because they're, <laughs> they're so j- they're yeah. so jaded in DC. They are. They really I are. can absolutely understand that. So, anyway, uh, for Eduardo and Cena, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. 